The word encourage is a fascinating word. It's made up of two separate words. The first is en, E-N, which means into. The second, this one's easy, is courage. To encourage, to place courage into another. So when we encourage, we place courage into another. You know, times when you are encouraged and you feel more confident and bigger and, and a sense of I can do whatever I'm facing because of this. It's to have courage placed into us. And we need that when the opposite takes place, when we're fearful, when we're scared, when we're afraid. Like when we have a phobia. Who has the fear of acrophobia? Do you know what that is? It's a common one. Yep, Jeff, fear of heights. Who has a fear of heights? I'm not a fan of heights. Heights aren't much fun. And the reason is when you're up that high, there's something within you that is convinced that you're going to die if you're up that high. It doesn't make a lot of sense to our logical brains, but that's how fear works. Now, many of you have this fear. Are you ready? This is the fear, pogonophobia. You know what that is? Many of you have it. It's the fear of beards. <laughs> See, I know, I know. What about, what about this fear? Onomatophobia, onomatophobia. It is, it, yeah, it's the fear of names. That's a tough one. Like, is that a sensitivity to name badges or when it comes to putting your name down on a form or introducing yourself? That must be terrible. I have a friend that has a fear, and I'm not kidding, of cotton wool. Just petrified. It doesn't make sense to me. It does to them. It's, it's terrible. They wish it wasn't the case. I have another friend who has a fear of belly buttons. Ah, their, their, their time as a youth leader was short-lived. Fear is a pathway, you see, to death. That's why we don't like fear. There was a survey done some time ago and they asked a, a large group of people, what is your number one fear? And the number one fear people had was public speaking. That's not that bad, but public speaking. Their number two fear, number two in the survey was dying. So when it comes to a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Fear cripples us. It, it prevents us from doing the things God calls us to do. Fear is like this black hole that sucks us in and holds us there and steals from us so much goodness. It makes us worry about our future or our health or relationships or money or the way we think about church or our very salvation. We get drawn into our fears and we get trapped there. How many times has it happened that you've heard a rumor from somebody? Who cares what it's about? You've heard a rumor from somebody and you start to stew on that and it starts to make its way into your thinking and it goes round and round your head. And as the week progresses along, you get more and more tied up in a knot about this and you're more worried and you're fearful and it gets to the point you can't sleep you're irritated, perhaps you're angry, and you finally come to the point of fronting up to the person who this is about, and you ask them about it, you challenge them about it, and they say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you realize in that moment that the rumor was completely unfounded, yet it's the fear that was represented in that that has held you all week, stealing 
so much. What a wasted week, wasted thought life, wasted sanity. You see, fear will strip you from the life that Jesus won for you. Fear will strip from you the life that Jesus has won for you. If you have Jesus, you have nothing to fear. I know it's very easy to say, very difficult to live out. But if you have Jesus, you have nothing to fear. If you live in a state of fear, it's because you've taken your eyes off Jesus. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, Jesus is perfect in love. There is no fear in love, which means that Jesus and fear cannot be friends. They can't spend any time together. They can't travel in the same car. They can't have a picnic. They can't go to the movies together. Jesus and fear cannot spend time together. They can't grow a church together. They can't get you through cancer. They can't help you work out the perils of parenting. But perfect love, Jesus, drives out fear. Jesus expels fear from us. But the one who fears, Scripture said, is not made perfect in love. Fear steals from us the image that God wants to renew in us. It causes us to be less than complete. It pollutes our experience of God's love. Fear is what death tastes like. And what does God say about fear? He says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Be bold and courageous. Don't be scared. And he says that because it is a human reaction to be those things. Which is why God tells us to put it aside and with him, in God's presence, we can. We have the power not to be fearful. But fear is most powerful to us, not because of what it does to us, but because of what it takes from us. Fear takes your joy away. And when your joy is gone, the only thing you have left to share is fear. If you're holding on to your fear, it's because you're convinced that death is more powerful than God. Now, realizing that is actually helpful. Because we know what Jesus did to death. Paul tells us, as Megan read before, in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. When our bodies and our flesh are empowered by the Spirit of God, when Jesus' flesh was offered up as a, design, a divine sacrifice for our sins, then shall come to pass the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You have nothing left death in the face of Christ. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus died for us on the cross, he literally stole the sting out of death. Death used to fly around like a bee with a stinger waiting to pounce and its stinger was fear. I've had that experience. Well, I haven't, but Lyndall has. 
many moons ago on a Christmas day, Christmas day, preached in the morning, had a wonderful lunch, and Lyndall is walking across the backyard and she stands on what she later discovers is a bee. And the bee stings her and she discovered this later on. There was some discomfort, but then she started to swell up. And that's when we got a little bit worried. That's Christmas Day. It's like, oh, how do you navigate this? But we thought we lived just down the road from the hospital at the time. And so we put her in the car and took her down the hospital. And they said, you're having an allergic reaction to the stinger that was in the bee. We need to give you a jab. You heard that, Jeff? <laughs> it's not fun, hey? <laughs> we need to give you a jab. We'll take away that. And then we need to remove the sting. We need to remove the stinger. And she was fine, as you know, because she's still around. But death, death's sting is fear. And Jesus removes the sting from death. He takes the sting out of death. He removes the fear from death. Jesus made it so we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything that's attached to death because we have Jesus. Jesus left death impotent. He stripped it of its power except for the power that we can give it because we can give fear more power. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the Lord you're, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Jesus took the sting out of death. He took the fear out of death so that therefore we can keep chasing after the things of God. You see, our greatest encourager is Jesus. Jesus says to us, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Courage is what gives, God gives us to free us from fear. Does anyone with arachnophobia here? Fear of spiders? Who, who loves spiders? <laughs> Just Hazel. Everyone else is like, oh, I wish you hadn't mentioned them. Now I can't stop thinking about spiders. If, if you have a fear of spiders, you need two things. One of two things. You either need the courage to pick up a spider. Just stroke it. Just stroke it. There's no fear in there. You need that courage. Or you need a big hammer or a pair of fast running shoes, right? It's one or the other. <laughs> Courage, you see, it helps us move through fear. Courage doesn't eliminate fear. It helps us move through fear. But fear cripples us about moving forward. There's a story in the Old Testament, which I'm sure you've heard. It's of Joshua. And Moses passes his mantle on to Joshua to lead the people of God, the Israelite people, there's a million or so of them at the time, through the Jordan River to conquer Jericho and walk into the Promised Land. Familiar with the story? And so Joshua finds himself without his mentor. Moses has died and, and Joshua is there at the banks of the River Jordan and it's a giant river. And he somehow has to negotiate and navigate his fears. And his fears would have, there would have been a multitude. There would have been a fear of we're supposed to walk through the river. Like, how's that going to go? And when we get to the other side, we're not going to have a warm welcome home party. There will be hostile people. And I have no qualifications to do this. 
And have you seen the people? They whinge and they moan and complain about everything. 40 years now, it's not stopped. Joshua is in this point of like, how on earth do I move past my fear? He's gripped with fear. And God speaks through the noise and whispers to him several times, be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. Courageous. You see, Joshua forgot, like we forget, that God made the river, that God made the land on the other side, that God made the people who in, inhabit that land. And if God made them, what have we to fear? What has he to fear if God whispers, be bold and courageous? I know for some of you, as you look toward our amalgamation and our merger, you feel a twang of fear in you. Fear kind of jumps. It might be a fear that you'll be forgotten or a fear that everything will change or a fear that those village folk, are they even really Christians? Do they even really do church properly? Or, or a fear that you won't have a spiritual home anymore. And I want to encourage you this morning, I want to put courage in you that you're standing where Joshua stood and you're looking at the riskiest challenge before us and it's normal to have fear. But in God's eyes, it's not acceptable for us to live with that fear. We need to remember two things. That it is God who has brought us to this challenge to merge. It's God who has brought us to this place. And that it's God's church. It's God's church. He leads this church. He determines where we go. So much so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the presence of Jesus, we have nothing to fear. We need not fear the things that creep into our lives and creep into our minds. Do not let go of Jesus and take hold of fear. Let go of fear and take hold of Jesus. Now, a handy test that you might apply to yourself, don't apply it to other people, right? This is just for you to apply to yourself. As we look at how much fear rages in our lives, this is the test. When you talk with others, do you find that they are built up in courage as a result of you sharing? Or are, they, are, are you giving them and increasing the fear in their lives? Because what happens if there's too much fear in us, it spills over. And so we speak doubt and negativity and fear into the lives of others. But if Christ rules in us, and Christ has taken captive those thoughts. When we speak to others, we're conveying hope and future and possibility and worth and value on others. When Joshua rallies the people, he hears these words from God. He looks at the river, realizes he has nothing to fear. He gives orders to the people in Joshua chapter 3. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. They understood that the Ark of the Covenant was where God lived. God resided in the Ark of the Covenant. And so what Joshua is calling the people to is follow God. Follow God through the river. Follow God into the promised land. Follow God around Jericho as the walls collapse and follow God into a hostile territory which will become a land flowing in milk and honey. He says that to us. He says, follow me. 
into the river of merging. Follow me. Follow me into something that everyone else says, that certain death. Follow me. Follow me into Good Friday because of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. The death that we so often get fearful of is a death that Jesus has already taken the sting out of. We don't need to be fearful of death or anything associated with death. We don't need to live enslaved by fear because that fear diminishes and shrivels up in the light and the power of Jesus. If Jesus dismantled death, he has conquered the things that we fear. So don't give that fear the authority it doesn't have. There's a song written called You Are Here. It captures this dynamic really well. A couple of lines in it say, The same power that conquered the grave lives in you. Your love that rescued the earth lives in me. You see, fear acts like a full stop. And if you were here last week, we discovered that God turns full stops into commas. Thanks. God turns full stops into commas. God turns your fear into life. When Zari was five, she, um, she would climb up in, in Frescott Park, which is near where we live. They've got this huge spider web thing, like big, not like, not like a real spider, a toy plague thing. It looks so high. It probably looks the height of the projector. And she climbs all the way up there. And when she's five years old, she stands on the uppermost point top you could possibly stand. And between you and me, her dad was freaking out just a little bit because of what mum would say, who wasn't there. And Cesare's standing up there and my heart's beating out of my chest about what's going to happen. She clambers all the way down. She goes, Dad, did you see that? I said, I did. I'm interested in knowing something. She says, what's that? I said, when you were right up the very top and you were standing up there without a care in the world, what were you thinking? Because I know what I was thinking, especially if I was in that situation. What were you thinking? And she said, oh, yeah, Dad. It was really hard. I wished I was 12. You wish you were 12? Yeah, I wish I was 12. Why? Oh, because if I was 12, I could just jump off the top. You know, we're, we're going to go from 11 straight to 13, I think, with you. There are times, though, when she climbs and she gets stuck and sometimes in, it's in a precarious position. She'll fall and she'll get tangled up and she'll, or she'll be like, oh no, I don't know what to do next. And you see the fear welling up in her. And she always calls out, and it's always the same thing. She yells out, Dad, I'm going to jump. Catch me. And then without any agreement from her father, without any consultation, without any, are you ready? She leaps. I've not dropped her once, not once. And I catch her and I put her down and she says, I knew you'd catch me, Dad. And she runs off. Zari knows I will catch her at the cost of my life. And sometimes I joke with her, oh, I'm not going to be able to catch you. And she does this, she goes, as if you're not, Dad. Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always be abounding in the will of God, knowing, 
knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We can know that God will always catch us. We can know that God will always be faithful. We can know that God will always come through. I knew you'd catch me, Dad. That's what we want to say to God. I knew you'd catch me. And because we know God catches us, we don't need to be fearful because God is faithful. 1 Thessalonians says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. We all face fears. Some of them to do with our church, some of them to do with our family, some of them to do with our health, some of them to do with our finances, some of them to do with other things that nobody else knows about. But we all face fears, terrifying, anxious, difficult situations that could immobilize us. But we must turn to, turn to God and we must say, Dad, I'm going to jump. Catch me. I'm not going to be fearful. Catch me. You are faithful and we will find ourselves saying i knew you could do it dad i knew you could do it god thank you thank you so much so i want to pray for those of you today that have been wrestling and struggling with fear and it might have been for a long long time or it might have just been this morning or any time in between that jesus would extinguish that fear and give you his peace let's pray Lord God, we are so, so thankful for what you did for us on the cross. You removed the sting of death. And removing the sting of death, we have nothing to fear. We are free in you. That when our earthly life ends, we have an eternity with you to look forward to. The Lord, when, when challenges and things that provoke our anxieties and our fears when they raise up in front of us. We have you to fall back on, that you will catch us, that we can trust you. And Lord, I pray now by the power of your spirit, you would extinguish every one of our fears. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. Tear our fear away and give us your peace. Deepen our knowing of your faithfulness. Turn the full stops that we face into commas. And we ask this in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. Amen.